As we look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 together, I want us to meditate for a few minutes on two major themes, hope and joy, and see how they are connected. I'm not sure if you've seen this BuzzFeed story yet called 24 American Shopping Carts that Prove Americans Have No Idea How to Shop for Coronavirus. And as I flip through these pictures, the most surprising part was the amount of people who are panic buying milk, shopping carts and shopping carts filled with milk, all the milk in the store. What do you do with all that milk? My only thought was, I guess people want to take milk baths. I don't know. Or in their panic, they discovered that the things they were putting their hope in don't actually have the power to sustain them. In fact, they've discovered that their hopes are not alive, but are in fact dead. Here in 1 Peter 1, Peter rejoices that there is a hope that is alive and will never die, and that God is the source of this living hope. As we look at this passage together, I want us to see four things about this hope. First, living hope is a gift from God the Father. Second, living hope gives us an inheritance. It protects us, and this living hope offers us an inexpressible joy. So first, living hope is a gift from God the Father. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Two things I want you to see here. First, that God gives this as a gift, which shows us who he is. How do we know who God is? There's lots of ideas out there about who God is. Is he the great unmoved mover or the universe or the great spirit in the sky? Is he an angry father or an absent father or a father who's waiting for you to prove yourself to him? How do we know who God is? Peter is telling us to look at Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, we will see who his father is. My friend Robert loves to say that God has chosen to reveal himself to the world. The fullest expression of who he is is a brown-skinned, Aramaic-speaking religious minority who died while forgiving his murderers. This is who God is. This means that when you need hope, when you don't know who God is or what he's like, look at Jesus and you'll see the Father. He wants to give you hope. In John 14, Jesus is talking with his disciples and his disciples are anxious and they're confused about what God is like. And Philip asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, can you show us the father? And Jesus replied, he says, whoever has seen me has seen the father. We're told in Colossians 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus came as a man to show us the father so that when we see Jesus, we see his compassion, his love, his justice, his patience, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, we see the compassion and the love and the justice and the patience and the grace and the mercy and the kindness of his father. God gives us hope as a gift and shows us who he is. And he also gives us this gift according to his great mercy. This God and father gives us a living hope according to his great mercy. It's a gift. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. You don't have to be healthy to get it or a certain age. It's not about luck or who your friends are, it is a gift according to his mercy. This word mercy can be translated also as pity or compassion. And what Peter is saying here is that this is all about God's generosity. 
It's about his movement towards you in his grace. So how do we get this living hope? When you put your faith in Jesus, when you trust fall into Jesus, the father gives us a new birth, a fresh start, a new beginning in the spirit. He causes us to be born to hope. He delivers us into a new world of an eternal sunshine of joy. And how does he do this? He says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All of this hinges on Jesus's resurrection. Living hope is a gift from God the Father, and living hope gives an inheritance. I think we understand this, that everything we put our hope in, the living hope and the dead hopes, all of them promise an inheritance. When we anchor our hearts in money, or in being in control, or in being comfortable, or in our health, or in our freedom, being able to do what we want, when we want, with whomever we want, all of these things promise to give us something. They all make promises to our hearts, but when they're taken away, we discover that they don't have an inheritance for us. That's why everyone is panic buying toilet paper. They're, they're trying to store up some sort of security, some sense of being in control, something that they can claim for themselves, some inheritance. A couple of students came by yesterday as they were gathering their belongings and were heading out of town. And we were talking about this and we were talking about how in the past few days, our idols have been exposed. You know, the way that we've taken good things and we've made them into ultimate things. And in a moment like this, right, it becomes very clear where your hope is and whether or not your hope is alive or dead. So a question for you to consider is where are your hope? Where is your hope? Is it alive? Is your hope alive or is your hope dead? Friends, Jesus is alive. And in him, God offers you an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Look at verse four. It will not expire. It can't get broken. It will never run out. God is keeping it in heaven for you. He has prepared an inheritance for you. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6 when he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Sorry, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The beautiful mystery of this is that in all of this, Jesus is the treasure. He is on his throne in heaven. What do I say every week when we end RUF? You have a king in heaven who loves you. Friends, this will never change. He is your inheritance because he is your living hope. We have living hope that's a gift from God the Father. Living hope gives us an inheritance. And this living hope protects us. Verse four, Peter says, you are being guarded by faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The Bible tells the story that God made all things good, that sin broke and is breaking all things, and that in Jesus Christ, God is restoring that which is broken, and that one day, Jesus is going to return and he will make all things new. At the end of the Bible, we have this great promise that when God makes all things new, after the judgment, we're told that God himself will wipe every tear from your eyes. Death will be over. There'll be no more mourning or crying, or pain, or sickness, or sadness, we're told because the former things will be over forever. And Peter is saying that God guards you in this hope. That the bedrock of our hope is that it is a gift from God, and he holds you in hope. He will not let you go. 
He gives you faith to guard you. This is what he's doing by his spirit. He holds you fast by his spirit. It is by God's mercy that you have hope. It is through the new birth of the spirit that you have hope. This living hope is the inheritance which Christ has purchased for you. It's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and he's got it in heaven for you. And while this is true, in verse six, Peter says, we will be grieved by various trials. And that the purpose of these trials is to test the genuineness of our faith. He uses this illustration about gold in verse seven. And what he's saying is that gold, um, the way that gold is tested is through fire. And when it melts because of fire, you see the impurities that are in it. Is it pure or does it have impurities in it? This is what fire does with gold. In the same way, trials test our faith, like fire to gold, and they reveal whether or not it's genuine. Maybe God's doing this in you right now. This is part of the way that he protects you. Even in the midst of these trials, even in the midst of these trials, the promise of God's word is that there is an inexpressible joy breaking in from the future. Y'all, I know this is not the semester that you're hoping for. Freshmen, I love you. I'm just starting to get to know you. And I'm grieved that we won't have the rest of the semester together and that you won't have it together. Sophomores, I love you. I know it feels like your year just got deflated. And the good things that you're hoping for, they're now on hold or they're lost. And juniors, I love you. And this is not how junior spring is supposed to be. This is a real trial. I know that your coursework probably won't slow down. I see you. Your God sees you. And seniors, I love you. And I'm grieved that we're not together. I'm grieved that you're not together. There's there's so much loss in this. God is with you in this. And I want to encourage you that in the midst of your trials, invite Jesus into them. There are no shoulds or should nots with how you're feeling. Your emotions are windows into your soul. Let Jesus know you in those feelings. Invite him into those places. And friends, brothers and sisters, in the midst of this real trial, God is at work. We say it all the time in RUF. God is at work right now. Right now, his future is breaking into our present. What do I mean when I say this, that his future is breaking into our present? In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, we're told the story of the four Pevensey children as they step through an old wardrobe into Narnia. And as they enter in, they are met um, with a snowy scene. It is winter in Narnia, and we're told that it's winter and it's never Christmas. But as their time in Narnia progresses, as the snow begins to melt and spring begins to arrive, they're told that the reason why is that Aslan is on the move. Now his victory is not complete until after his death on the stone table and his resurrection and his victory at the first battle of Barunia. And yet the promise of his future victory over the white witch and her evil forces breaks into the present and it thaws the winter that held for so long before he even arrives The snow begins to melt and the flowers bloom. Friends, the Bible gives us certainty of a future victory. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 
Jesus Christ is reigning in heaven and establishing his kingdom here in our hearts and amongst us and in our midst. And nothing, no nothing can sabotage his kingdom. That future hope is so certain. The kingdom of God is so powerful. Then it cannot be contained in the future, but is breaking into the present. The treasure stores of heaven are overflowing and disrupting the sin and misery of the present. This is because Jesus is in heaven, crucified and risen for you. And Peter says that this is our hope and that this hope gives us joy, an inexpressible, glory-filled joy. I want to close with this. On December 3rd, 2011, during the halftime show of the SEC championship game, the Dr. Pepper did their halftime championship football throw, and Yvonne Padilla Rodriguez was up. She made 13 football throws through the 1.5 diameter hole from five yards away, and in doing so, she won $100,000 in scholarship money. And the moment she realized she'd won, before they even called her name or anything, she just began to bawl. She wept, tears streaming down her face. And then Tracy Wilson, the CBS sideline analyst, came up to her with the microphone and asked her, said, Yvonne, tell me how important this is to you. And she responded, tears streaming down her face, barely able to talk. This is so important to me. Dr. Pepper is seriously the best thing that has ever happened to me. Friends, the best thing that will ever happen to you has already happened to you in Jesus Christ. His death, his resurrection, his hope, his gift, his inheritance, his joy, his grace, he has already done it. Let's pray. Thank you for this great hope that you have for us, Jesus. We pray now that by your spirit, you would help us. Help us to be honest with how we're feeling. Help us to share in this together. Would you meet with us? Would you comfort us and console us? Lord, and send us out to love and serve as you have loved and served us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.